0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this month's episode of This Month in Entrepreneurship, the TMI podcast. I am your host, Ashley Rocker Priori, and my co-host for today...
1: Hi, I'm Joshua White.
0: Given that this season is all about the AOM Entrepreneurship Division, we thought it would be good for our last episode of this season to bring in the past PDW chair for the division, uh, John Carr. John Carr is actually the Jenkins, Distinguished Professor of Entrepreneurship in the Department of Management, Innovation, and Entrepreneurship at North Carolina State University. He got his PhD at Mississippi State University, and he's published in premier management journals such as AMJ, JAP, Journal of Management, as well as been an editor for the three primary entrepreneurship journals, JBV, ETP, and SEJ. Not only has John given back to the field within... Editor duties, but he's also not only been a past PDW chair, he's now currently the division program chair. So, like we talked about in our first episode with Peter Klein, John is on the five year rolling track where he will eventually become the division chair in two more years. So, we welcome John to this episode. We're really excited to have him and we're excited to hear the advice he has to offer us today. So, we start every episode at least with this season, with the same question. So are you ready for your icebreaker question?
2: Okay, yeah, sure.
0: If you were stuck on a deserted island or in the woods or some wild area, you could only bring one item with you. What is the one thing you'd bring with you?
2: The one item?
0: We can call it a person if you want.
2: I'd, I'd certainly want to be uh, with my wife, Michelle. It'd be great to have her with me on the island. She likes islands.
0: <laughs> what if it was in the woods? What if we deserted you guys in the wilderness?
2: Oh, in the, wild, in the woods. Uh, well, um, the one item we would need, uh, both of us. Sure. We got to have some kind of uh, some kind of tent, some kind of cover, right?
0: I like it. So if you had a tent and you and Michelle are out there together in this tent, how long do you think you guys would last realistically?
2: Maybe a week.
0: <laughs> before you gave up, before you got bored?
2: She, she'd she miss her dog too much. She'd want to go back to our dog.
0: What type of dog do you guys have?
2: We have a Boston Terrier and his name is Kickback Jack. And he's a little bitty guy. He's very small for, for a Boston Terrier. And he uh, he is completely devoted to to us and to my wife in particular, and she's certainly devoted to him too. So it's a special bond.
0: I love it. Yeah, Joshua, you want to kick us off?
1: Yeah. So John, we really appreciate you uh, taking time to be with us. Um, I've only I've only met you a couple times, but I want you to know seriously, you're one of my favorite people, and um, I'm so excited to have you here today. I've been looking forward to this. For weeks um, to get you on this podcast and talk to you, um, so uh, yeah, no pressure, right? Um, so what we what we wanted to talk to you about uh, really is um, you know PDWs because we know that your involvement in in the academy and everything like that, and we think that students this may be a good avenue for students to be involved in the academy because you know oftentimes students may not have publications to submit to an academy meeting or. Um, but they could maybe be involved in a PDW. And so we wanted to kind of talk to you about your thoughts about that, how to do that, um, you know, best practices, those sorts of
2: things. So that
1: kind of frames our discussion.
2: Sure. So just as an overview, the professional development workshops, uh, they're really sort of designed to be um, supportive of perhaps a particular research theme or maybe it's around a certain methodology, or perhaps it's about uh, integrating uh, uh, you know, different literatures or even different disciplines, for example. Uh, we uh, have a, a relationship now with the uh, Organizational Behavior Division, uh, the Entrepreneurship Division does, and it's being sponsored by the Kauffman Foundation. And the whole goal of that professional development workshop is to connect the OB division with the Entrepreneurship Division, in a in a session that would allow for you know some interaction between uh the participants in those two areas so it's a the the pdws themselves are less about a formal research presentation and more about trying to advance maybe some big picture uh concepts that are important uh, that some folks feel that are important uh and oftentimes they are designed to be Uh, kind of a little bit different uh, than what you would see in a normal uh, session. And in fact, as PDW chair this last year, that was one of the requirements that we had, which is uh, we wanted uh, uh, people who participated to know that there was going to be more interaction, uh, that there was going to be a sort of a clever take on how to engage people in a conversation around one of those themes, maybe, and perhaps it might also be an opportunity for folks to connect in a different kind of network uh, networking you know, way than what you would see uh, in a regular session. So, so generally speaking, the PDWs are sort of designed for that. They're a little bit more flexible and they provide a longer period of time uh, for the participants to be together. If you're a student uh, and you're new to the field, uh, that's the kind of the primary difference between PDWs and what you would see at a regular session. So I wanted to provide that for those that are new to to our discipline. Uh, The second thing I would say is, is, so what are the strategies you mentioned, right? Well, the strategies themselves uh, can go a couple of different ways. A lot of times the PDWs, um, or let me just put it this way, uh, individuals that are trying to assemble a PDW for consideration, Uh, they will sort of start to canvas the field and try to find people that they they think would be a good match to serve as a session or a facilitator or or a session chair or a facilitator or a participant of some sort. And those are opportunities where students can oftentimes find themselves being connected uh, to such an initiative. Uh, But you don't always find that out as a new student. You don't know exactly what those conversations are who's having those conversations as well. So that's one of the big challenges that students have is you kind of don't know who's organizing a PDW unless you just sort of happen onto it. That being said, a lot of the PDWs and the themes associated with those PDWs happen multiple years. So for example, if you're a student and you're interested maybe in Uh, some kind of micro topic, or maybe you're interested, uh, I'll just make it up in maybe topics around gender and entrepreneurship or opportunity recognition or something like that. It's often useful to sort of see whether there are PDWs that have been done in the past, in past academies, for example, around these types of themes, because it may be that a similar PDW will be put forward in the upcoming year. And so this would be uh, an opportunity for a a person, a doctoral student, to be able to sort of see, hey, I'm interested in this particular topic. Again, I'll just use uh, maybe gender and and, uh, entrepreneurship. And it looks like there have been a, a couple of PDWs around this, and they involve these people. Well, it might be in your best interest maybe to contact them and say, look, I'm very interested in this particular topic area and I'm not sure if there's going to be a PDW session or not, but I'd like to be able to participate and join, if possible, to support this this particular submission, or perhaps they know someone who is putting together a PDW. So the idea is, is that it's not like people are trying to be secretive. You got to kind of dig around to find if there's someone that's putting something together. Uh, So To me, it's about looking sort of in past meetings to try to find out what are some of the themes that have been happening in the past and then perhaps going to the meeting earlier to give yourself a chance to participate in those open sessions.
0: That's really helpful. My question for you, John, our first episode we had Peter Klein and he was talking about as past division chair Basically, the learning experiences he took from COVID that he thinks would be useful to implement moving forward and how he mentioned in his interview about some of the initiatives we've taken of making things more virtual might be helpful to do multiple times throughout the year. Do you see PDWs as something like this too? Something that instead of just having them all at AOM once a year, they could be implemented or students could take initiative to start some sort of professional development workshop to do multiple times throughout the year.
2: I do believe that. In fact, I think that that, um, there have been a lot of downsides. I mean, tremendous downsides associated with the COVID pandemic. But some of the things that we've learned from this is is that we can do virtual engagement. It's relatively cost-free and with the right champions, you can pull together uh, ongoing sessions uh, for, uh, for a variety of topics that could follow, for example, a PDW style approach. Uh, I do know that it's in, it's, it's in the interest of the division itself to kind of move away from uh, you know, the one meeting a year when I get to see those people uh, and move it towards experiences where research engagement and maybe a, a, a theme that, that, that might be important to the field is, is structured around a PDW style approach over the course of the year. And I do believe that in fact, the academy itself is going to move to a sort of blended kind of academy meeting. And there's a lot of benefits to that. One of the big ones is, is that we learned this last couple of years, that there are a lot of people, a lot of research scholars in places all over the world that that may not have the kind of support that you need to physically be at the meeting and uh, one of the big initiatives that we want to try to put in place is to give everyone an opportunity to have a really strong and positive ex- academy style experience and it may be in a personal format yeah we've had those for a long time maybe we can come up with ways to do that in a virtual a virtual one that's awesome john well as you know, you've obviously
1: um, spent a lot of time uh, reviewing PDWs and seeing, you know, how to program these things. So, you know, talk to us a little bit about as you're picking a schedule. How do you decide what makes a good
2: PDW and what makes not so good PDW? This this is a great question, Josh. So, uh, one of the things that I think is very very useful, and these these were the sort of guidelines I used. The first one was um, if if it was if it if it looked like a a regular presentation, and it smelled like a regular presentation. And if it felt, you know, if I got the feeling that this is just an expanded paper session, then I really wasn't all that interested in including it because that's what the paper sessions are for, right? To talk about research and so on and engage in a more structured way. So that was the first criteria I used. The second one was, based upon my own experiences, I made decisions around the PDWs as to whether they had sort of a sort of a far-reaching theme to them, in other words, was was it was it just simply some small, very very nuanced conversation about something uh, that might be useful, uh, but perhaps it might be better better positioned as a sort of a paper kind of combination. Uh, so, in my mind, I wanted to try to choose the sessions that I felt were broad enough that we would have good uh, conversations across the division around these particular uh, you know themes. didn't have to involve everybody, but it was a, it was a big enough topic that was kind of either new or, or, or very, very clever and thoughtful that people could get behind. And there were several of those that I thought were really, really good. In this last year, uh, there was one on gender and, and COVID that I felt was spectacular, because it, it really, it really, did, it it was an opportunity to have a big, deep conversation about what that means in this kind of particular, you know, circumstance that we find ourselves in. One of the big key ones is is that if the organizers have put together a long list of participants. It's critically important that they are able to show the PDW group, the you know, the chair, that, that they have these people, uh, I guess you could say, lined up already. So uh, we would never want to have a PDW where, where the organizers would say, you know, if, if it's accepted, we will ask the following 10 people. Well, you know, sometimes people can't come. Maybe they're over obligated so it's important to kind of have your ducks in a row in terms of who the participants are going to be and, and 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 you've got a sort of a commitment from everybody so that it's clear to the pdw chair if if this is accepted these are the these are the individuals that will be there so that's sort of like a structural thing um the uh, the pdw itself has a very specific format that it uses in terms of the the proposal itself, and those are on the website that that we that that everyone has access to, but you know the ones that do that structural stuff right, they just jump right out. This you know like this is clearly an interesting topic. It's a big topic. It's going to be a fascinating conversation. They've got everybody that lined up that they want to have participate in it, and it's going to be an engaging con- you know conversation or connect you know connection. Those PDWs fly right in. And so I th- I suspect that would be what would be the case going forward. Well, that's great. Let me let me flip that
1: question around, John, and, and tell you that the first time I attended an AOM, I was completely overwhelmed the first time I looked at that schedule and saw all those things. And so, you know, from a student's perspective, how can a student, you know, pick the right PDWs to attend?
2: You can do it for a variety of reasons. Like right? In some instances, this this is Uh, an opportunity to socialize or uh, or network yourself into a conversation with a scholar or or someone at a school that you think has got similar research or maybe even other professional interests. And so this is sort of the mechanism to connect uh, to to somebody or a group of people uh, that you'd like to get to know better. And so that's one of the obviously one path that you can take. It's important that, you know, you're obviously authentic about what you're interested in, but also that you've got something, you know, really to kind of contribute to a conversation in a particular PDW, uh, you know, theme, for example. It's not enough to just show up and say, hey, I just glad to be here, you know, looked interesting, right? It's probably important to do a little homework around what the PDW theme is so that you you can get some, you know, you can gain something out of it, right?
0: So John, you have been working with this entrepreneurship division for a while now. The PDW chair was not your first um, position. How did you get to PDW chair? What did you do before this? Did you want to do PDW chair? Like, tell us a little bit about how you got started with getting involved with the committee ultimately to this position you're at.
2: A long time ago. Uh, The entrepreneurship division was a uh, I I've used this term many, 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 many times for years ago when the entrepreneurship division started, it it was sort of like a boutique division. I use that word all the time, a boutique division. It was this small little group of folks kind of in this little area doing interesting startup venture things. Right. But it was small. It was a very, very small group. And, and, uh, what they needed was some, uh, you know, they needed people to begin to to see the field as what it is, a field uh, that has its own conversations, its own interests. It has its own sort of um, uh, uh, literature uh, that has, that adds value, not just to itself, but to others and so on. And I can remember uh, uh, they were, I was involved or knew some of the people involved in the division way, 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 way back. and they said, you know, uh, why don't you run for a, you know, a membership committee or something like that to help us, you know, understand the membership and so on. And so I, I, volunteered, right? I volunteered just like you all did, to serve and support the division as the membership chair for many years. And that was an amazing experience for me. In fact, um, I could, I was at the meeting when the uh, division's sort of mission statement, right, was first being discussed. And it's, it's so fascinating to see how much the division has grown over these last many years. So the, the, the first entree in was to try to put myself in as the membership chair, just to support the division as it grew. And I think that that was sort of the first experience I had uh, being involved with it. And over time, of course, the division is now, I believe, the third largest division in the academy. Uh, It is astonishing what has happened. And I think a large part, there have been a lot of things that have helped contribute to that. For many, many years, uh, uh, there was no such thing as an entrepreneurship PhD or you you couldn't get a a PhD in this, right? It was always sort of a strategy and you were interested in or behavior and you were interested in uh, international business and you were interested in but in reality, it's turned into its, its own field in and of itself, which is fantastic. And so what we have now are the challenges of what you see in a growing division. Uh, we have to become a little bit more structured. We've got to have some policies and processes in place. And so when the opportunity came to uh, um, run for the leadership track, which is I, I thought that I could offer something in particular around the structure problem. Uh, because like all entrepreneurs, you know, we have lots of ideas and the division has got a lot of creativity and a lot of the people who are really excited about it, but we don't get our processes as good as we'd like to. And I thought, well, maybe this would be a chance to, to help, you know, influence that maybe we can, you know, help the division with its growing pains because it continues to have those growing pains. And, and so I was fortunate enough to get to the opportunity to serve.
1: Well, I was, you know, this is um, not related to PEWs, but um, I'm curious about your background before you got
2: into academia and kind of what led you on this path. Well, I worked in a research center for a long time uh, at Mississippi State. It was the Social Science Research Center. And there were two things that led me into this career. One, one of them was is, is um, I was sort of frustrated because the goal was to finish the project, do what you're asked to do, and move on to the next one. And there were all these other sort of questions that I kept saying, Well, you know, I wonder why that is. I wonder, you know, what is there a way of explaining why we what we saw? And the answer was, well, yes, sure, but that's sort of academic scholarship. And so, you know, we we focus on that too, but you know, we got to get on to the next project. So that was one of the things that got me thinking into taking the next step. The second thing that was um to, to me, I knew that I, I liked the idea of being in a career like this, and I had uh, sort of some knowledge of this based upon my own family, and so that led me to work uh, with my my uh, my boss basically back then, the director of the center. And I said, "Look, I think I'd like to pursue this," and he said, "This is this is really, John, the best path that you have is to help." Is that To help yourself, to help you overcome some of these questions you have, you're going to have to become a, a scholar. You're going to have to be, get a Ph.D. And, and you start moving into academia this way. So th- that, was the, that was the path to, to, to getting into the Ph.D. program. This is one of the things that I learned from this. Um, I was involved and in, I was sort of an IT giant data set person for many years. Uh, but, you know, I kept thinking to myself, well, if, if, if I'm going to be successful as, a, as an academic scholar, you know, learning how to work with the data and being able to work with the big data sets and those, that's going to be one of my, you know, sort of skills I'll bring to the table, right? And what I have learned is, yes, that's one big important piece. But the really, really big important piece to be successful is to be curious and to have a sense of urgency about the questions you wanna answer. And in fact, I would say that's much more valuable, much, much more valuable than being able to run spreadsheets and data sets all day long. And so that was one of the great lessons that I learned from this. And you know, the, the other thing I would share is that, um, so if, if you really see this as a profession and not as a job, then things like time, and your own resources are part of that commitment. And I say that because I've done that, right? I have spent my own money to go to conferences because the places I was at couldn't afford it or didn't, didn't have the resources to do so. But as a profession and being in a profession, it's important for me to be there. And so I better get the credit card out and make it happen because that's part of what this business is about. So. So doctoral students, you don't control a lot of things. You don't control the publication process. All these things are variables in the giant regression equation. But you do control your own time. And you do control the resources that you personally have. And I would never, I always told myself, I would never let those two things stand in the way. Because those are two things I do control. And so with that kind of philosophy, I've had to make big investments, right? but those big investments have have paid off. But it was because I understood that waiting for someone to give me something is not going to happen. As the field grows, as the interest in entrepreneurship grows at schools across the country, across the world, uh, students will make those kinds of judgments more, more easily. Uh, uh, it used to be that there was just that one entrepreneurship professor down the hall, but that's changed now a lot. And so I think now, now's our time to, to continue to to build on the field through the doctoral students that we have and through the opportunities to engage with other disciplines just like we do with org behavior division now uh to have a way to kind of share across you know each of these different sort of you know fields within management
0: i love it that's that was a great answer to that question <laughs> oh good <laughs>
1: No, it was, an, it, it was incredible, John. I've never thought about the difference between a job and a profession. And um, that's incredibly valuable insight to share with us and with the people that listen to this podcast. So Thank you for sharing that.
2: You, you know, you, you, you can't, you know, you can succeed in, 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 in our field, any field, right? But you can succeed if you see it for what it is, right? This is your profession. And it means that you have to invest in yourself, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but to say like sometimes, was, well, you're off during the summer. I've never been off in any summer in my life, right? Uh, it's always been working on the next thing or getting to the next activity or trying to fix this or work on that. Uh, it, it, it's an opportunity for you to, to to be involved in something more than just a, a nine to five world. I, I, I would never, ever be, you know, be happy. I I don't think if, if I just said, well, you know, it's the whistle blew and it's time to go home. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a profession just like any other profession and you should embrace it that way.
0: Okay. So we close out every episode with the question of if you could give one piece of advice to yourself, when you started your PhD, what would that one piece of advice be?
2: I would suspect that the piece of advice I would give myself is to try to slow down some and don't allow myself to get over-obligated in things that, that are interesting to me but may not necessarily be productive for me. And I think that's been a problem that I've always had. And co-authors will say the same thing about me, which is he's doing too many things, and I think that's a fair statement. Uh, and and it's it's a it's a I guess it's a personality characteristic. A type A folks tend to be like this, maybe, and that's me. So I tend to find if I if I have a, a time gap, I'm going to fill it. Damn it! And so that that's not been a good thing for me, and I feel bad about that because you know as being part of a research team on a project, they're dependent upon me as much as anything else. And I think that would be one piece of advice I would have given myself is, is look, you're you need to be, you know, make sure that you don't over obligate yourself and then let others down as a result of that. So that would be the piece of advice that I would give that guy way back then.
0: I think- Good advice, because I feel like we're told so much early in the PhD, like you need to get stuff out. You're not going to get a job without it. So you say yes to so much, but saying, Melissa has always said, and I thought this is a great piece of advice. Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else.
2: Yes. And you you want, you want to show that you can be a good partner in a variety of different ways. And um, I know that that's been one problem that I have. And I have colleagues that, that have suffered from my behavior and that's not fair to them and that's not a good way to be uh so to me that's one of the great pieces of advice that i would have given john carr a long time ago
1: (laughs) this was uh this was worth the wait john i'm so glad we got you on this podcast and
2: so glad you could spend your time with us um this was great you bet, you bet. And thanks y'all for, for giving me some time and uh, good luck with it. I look forward to seeing the video.
0: And thank you to all of you listeners who have tuned in for this month's episode of the TMI Podcast. We look forward to hearing your recommendations of who you'd like on future episodes and future seasons. You can send those over the social media channels for the entrepreneurship division, which are in the bio for this episode, or you can shoot us an email at the T-M-I-E-N-T-P-O-D at gmail.com email address. And we will get back to you as soon as possible and take those into consideration for future episodes. So thank you so much again for being with us today. And we look forward to hearing your thoughts next time. Have a great week. Bye.